Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Budgets live, not so live. With a with a new, I don't know if it's gonna stick. It's too long, you know. It takes too long to get to the chorus. Bluxy Blues just fits in there. That's my song. Sixty four had some good reaction to it last week. Still, it feels a bit forced. It feels like I'm just I, I don't know. It feels a bit forced, but that is a that is a song that I wrote many moons ago, like Biloxi Blues, about Highway 64. I live right off of it. It runs from Chattanooga to Memphis. It has nowhere in between. And that's kind of the the basis of, of the song. So, anyways, kind of losing your mind on uh, 64 tonight. But uh, thank you all for the kind words on that last week. But that's, a, that's an oldie there. And this is a new show. This is Low Budget Live for August 
the 14th, 2023. You bunch of low lifers. Hope everybody's doing well out there. And uh, yeah, life's treating you like it should. And uh, I can't complain. Lately, things have been, uh, things are things are going well. Things are good. Sometimes I have to, uh, you know, just kind of, you got to step back and smell the roses. I talk about that a lot. And this is the last couple of weeks have been some of that. I said last week that I record, I was recording a little early uh, before that MLF event up there in Saginaw was finished because I was headed to the IndyCar race in Nashville with my crew and the boys and I and, and uh, Harper and her boyfriend Keaton, we watched IndyCars go through downtown Nashville. And, and listen, I'm not a race guy, but uh, my grandfather loved racing. I've watched it a ton growing up, obviously, but man, you talk about like an electric event. Holy crap, dude. That was uh, just fan-freaking-tastic. Had a great time. Shout out to my buddy Jeff Stanford for making that possible. And uh, go check out Sound Designs for all your rap needs. TN Raps here in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Jeff Stanford. A lot of y'all pros out there know him. Boat Rap King. But uh, Boat Rap Czar, Jeff Stanford. But, yeah, we got to uh, like sit like 10 feet off the track, man. It was, it was, it was wild. It was wild. But then uh, I'm a little hoarse because I've been back in Nashville the past couple of days, my boys, the uh, the old Turnpike Troubadours, Ryman Residency, which is so awesome to say. Three nights at the Ryman. I, I did two of the three. I chickened out, couldn't do three in a row. My liver, my voice, nothing can handle it. I've been screaming, stomping, clapping, you know, just living it up at the Ryman. But those guys, man, if you get a chance, if they get close to you on this tour, they got the new record coming out in a couple of weeks. Go see them. My God, they're on fire. And it's uh, it's really awesome to see. You know, I've had Mr. Engelman on here, Ryan Engelman. Uh, just to know that they were just gone for, for a few years and see where they're back now and people are just coming back out to see them after like a three-year hiatus. It's amazing, man. It's really cool. It's uh, so much fun. And, uh, and listen, you do not have to wait on somebody to send you a viral clip of a song to think something's good. So there's a lot of good music out there. And I'm, what I mean by that is I've been sent that redheaded dude singing in the woods so many times this week. And yeah, it's a cool tune. That's fine. Quit sending me that song. Quit sending me that song. For the love of God, stop sending me the guy singing about fudge rounds. Stop sending me that. Okay. I, yeah, it's cool. Stop sending me that. Good for that guy. You can get famous on the internet. That's good. <laughs> it's good. But I, I did, I've had so many of my friends send me that guy, Oliver or something or another. If you're watching this, you've seen the clip this week. If you're in, in, in my algorithm whatsoever in life, you've heard and seen that clip. I'm not being a hater. I'm just tired of seeing it already. <laughs> so wild, man, how uh, one viral thing, though, can kind of launch you into uh in, into this this world so uh lots of good music out there they ain't playing it on the radio very much but uh lots of good good music out there you gotta go look for it so thanks to the turnpike boys and and uh thanks to the triple threat for going with me to uh to nashville which has become two weekends in a row i live an hour hour and a half south of nashville southern middle tennessee and uh nashville's always been one of my favorite cities but in the last like five years, it's just transformed into something totally different. And now it's like a mix of 
bachelorette party Barbie and the walking dead. <laughs> like there's just like, Hey man, you got, you got any money, man. I just, I need gas in my car over here. Can I get like $30? And then whoa, girls everywhere. Like they're on the pedal tab. Whoa. And then you got to go here and, and he's literally taking a dump in the bushes. <laughs> it's bananas, dude. And, uh, Walking around up there at night, you see these 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 girls. They're unattended. They're they're in their twenties. They're walking around. They're staggering drunk. And then you got old boy over there. And he's, he's shooting up, and he's in the corner. And you're like, I don't want my kids up. This is what is happening right now. It's bananas, man. And I, and look, I could easily be one of them dudes like hard on their luck. Like I know I'm a fortunate guy. I have walked that line my entire life. So. uh uh, of just, you know, one screw up away from being on the sidewalk. So, like, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I think a lot of y'all watching uh, can, can you know, sympathize with what's going on out there. Uh, but still, man, damn, Nashville's just kind of out of control, and it feels dangerous in a lot of places. And like I said, I know it like the back of my hand. Grew up there, uh, played music there for many years. Like, I, I know Nashville in and out, and it's just, like, it's not the same place. Um and I know a lot of you like you like to go there. You like to have a good time. That's cool. That's fine. Just head on a damn swivel up there to Walking Dead, man. Hey, hey, man. Like our hotel was just engulfed by folks that you thought you were going to take a shank to the jugular, just trying to walk in the damn front door. And it's like right downtown, nice hotel, whatever. It's it's bizarre. It's very bizarre. What's well, not bizarre? Are the sponsors of this show. We appreciate the folks like Startron kicking ethanol in the teeth and your weed eater and your chainsaw. Most importantly. In that outboard engine, nothing will ruin a great day on the water like an outboard engine that won't run due to stupid dumb ethanol. Kick it in the teeth with Sarshawn. Need the bam, 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 bam sound after that. That was so good. Pro Guide Batteries, ProGuideBatteries.com. You can use code LBL10, ProGuideBatteries.com. Save you some money on those amazing lithium trolling batteries, those amazing lithium starting batteries they have now just released. Get on there and check them out. The AGM cranking battery, though, if you're not looking for lithium, they're money. They're money for trolling batteries as well. Just a little heavier heavier than lithium. Depends on what you're after. They got it all. ProGuyBatteries.com. LBL10 saves you cash. BaitWorks.com. And that is Bait-W-R-X. B-A-I-T-W-R-X.com. And actually, actually, I'm slacking. Imagine that. My boy Brock. My boy Brock from up there at old Bait Works. So from August the 14th, starting right now today, through the 20th, 25% off Strike King 1.5s and 2.5s. Strike King 1.5s and 2.5s, bait-works.com. Strike King Square Bills. The 1.5 is the goat. It's got Kevin on the package, if you don't believe it. I do think out of all the square bills you can buy, production-wise, uh, the 1.5 is just like, is it. it. It really is. Like, dude, that one, absolutely, there are a lot of good ones out there. Don't get me wrong. The 1.5 is just money more times than not. Every time I try to prove that it's not and throw something else, I just always, like little Trey ends up beating me, as y'all see in a lot of our videos, by just throwing a 1.5, Okay. So 25% off the 1.5 and 2.5s for this week, the 14th through the 20th. Bait-works.com. 
Get you some OB jigs, power finesse jigs while you're there as well. Thank the folks for Baitworks. Duncan-10 saves you cash there and lets them know you're a low lifer. Last but not least, where's it at? Hang the banner. Hang the banner. Wear the hipster hat. Express Boats, Hot Springs, Arkansas, the official boat of Low Budget Live and the Traveling Circus, the X-21 Pro with the Yamaha 250 show on the back, fastest hole shot in the game. I'm telling you, beast mode. More storage than you can shake a stick at. Sea deck bow to stern. I absolutely love it. Y'all hear it every week because it is true. It is not hard to promote things or get your energy level right to promote something that you actually use a lot and you care about. And uh, the old Express X21 is that. And just good people, man. Just I, I can't say that enough. The Herndon family, Clay Connors, old CC. Good dang people. Had a pro staff call this week. My brothers, my brothers, Caleb Summerall, Billy Lowen. Good ones, man. More to come, maybe. Got some uh, got some rumor mill stuff flying around about Express. But uh, can't be talked about yet. Can't be talked about yet. Soon, sooner than later, we'll get to uh, make a fun announcement here on LBL. Appreciate the folks from Express Boats. Building excitement since 1966. All right. All right, here we go. Here we go. So last week I had already recorded uh, and and was headed to the Nashville race, and then the MLF thing went down how it went down. And I'd already recorded for the week, and I had so many people like, oh, and I appreciate y'all for being like, LBL's going to be fire this week, blah, blah, blah. I'd already recorded with Joey C, and it was his week. He earned it. He's a two-time Elite Series champ. He does things the right way, Okay. Uh, there's no shade in his game. There's no, so for me to, and I could have recorded, I started to record a new intro and just leave the, uh, leave the Joey interview in. And, and I didn't feel good about that. And so, uh, and what I'm talking about, of course, is people, you know, Matt Becker wins and he wins angler of the year. Uh, MLF had a chance for like the storybook, you know, a man who built his career with bass and made the move in Kevin Van Dam, the monster, the goat of the industry, 23-time champ, the guy, the guy. They have a chance. He is storybook. He's leading. The weather changes, and he and he loses to Matt Becker there at, at Saginaw Bay. But then Matt Becker also wins Angler of the Year. Well, of course, he is one of the anglers that was in question up there at Cayuga. He says it wasn't cheating, that it was the tournament director's fault, that it was a gray area. And uh, regardless of, of whether it's gray or cheating, I you know, whatever. Whatever. Matt's a good fisherman. Uh, I've always liked Matt. I think it was questionable at best up there at Cayuga. I've talked about that. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't like hearing that. That's fine. He also has two trophies to drown out the haters, as people say. Uh, you know, I, I think it's crap. I do. I think it's crap. I always think that this one's got an asterisk by it for an angler of the year. If I was him, I wouldn't want to win it that way. But I'm sure the check looks good in the bank and the trophies look good on the shelf. As long as he can sleep with it, that's fine. That's fine. I'm sure he can. Just fine. Um, but that's kind of my take on it. But I had a lot of people, man, you gotta, you gotta do it. I don't know. It's I'm almost numb to it at this point that I don't think things were handled correctly. And it's his fault, but it's also the league's fault that they don't handle things like they should. And there were more guys than him that were shady. So oh well. 
it is what it is. The guys that need to be making noise are the Jacob Wheelers that finished second, the odd Defoe's. I'd be pissed. I wouldn't be okay with taking the L in the angle of the year and knowing I was beat by that. Uh, that Those are the guys that got to make noise. I can only say so much. I'm not an angler. I don't work for the organization. I can voice my opinions, and uh, and I certainly do that, and I always will, regardless of what anybody thinks about it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it sucks. It sucks. And it sucks for Kevin because I feel like that that story ended up overshadowing him. He was beat fair and square. Uh, Becker did nothing wrong, obviously, at Saginaw Bay. He's a great angler. He's a great smallmouth fisherman. He won. He, he battled through rough water. Got got the win there over Kevin. Kevin's area was trashed, and uh, it's a you know it's a shame that he couldn't he couldn't leave with a win. I think he does fish the uh, the Redcrest deal though, so I think that's really his final tournament um, with Kevin. But again, thanks to Kevin Van Dam for all he's he's done. I'd like to get him on. I know he did. Uh, I know he did Chris and Traits podcast. I saw, and I know I. I want to I want to do one with him, but I want it to be open and honest. And I, I don't, you know, we'll see, we'll see. I want to get Kevin. I would love to be an honor to have him on, but I'd like to really get into things, and we'll see, we'll see. Uh, we got a good guest today. That I feel like we're going to get into some some good things here in just a, just a few minutes. But there's something uh, else, real quick, before we jump to our guest that I want to. Um, I'll shoot our guest a text, real quick. Sorry, I can't type and talk. Text our guest. So, I think uh, something that hit me, and and my buddy Brad Knight actually said this, and he brought this to my attention, but on Kevin retiring, and I talk a lot about how the sport has changed significantly from a pro, you know, pro fishing level, and, and where are we as far as uh, an overall sport? And I feel like we might be smaller now. You know, you feel like you're growing the sport, growing the sport, growing the sport with everything going on, but... Name one national media outlet that shared Kevin Van Dam retiring. One. One. And, and I mean, we're talking about, we've had the Denny Browers, Kevin Van Dam's, uh, Mike Iaconelli's on late night talk shows before, dude. Denny Brower. We've been on the cover of Wheaties boxes, like pro fishing in the 90s. This was in the 90s and early 2000s. So it's, it's astonishing to me that, that, that this guy doesn't get national media attention whatsoever. If it was out there, I missed it. It certainly wasn't shared uh, in, in any, you know, forum that I, I look at, okay? So that, that sucks because you get these, like, walleye cheaters, and it's worldwide. The sensationalism in that, but the guy that has been the guy in tournament ambassadors, no, no national media. It sucks, man. It really sucks to see. Um, kind of got my feels about that this week a little bit. I'm like, you know, sucks. Um, and I understand a lot of that was happening when ESPN owned Bassmaster and different things, and they had – resources and uh and contacts in the national media audience world i guess but um yeah the goat deserves it kevin van dam all right two elite series left real quick champlain and st lawrence good luck boys this week going to be interesting to see the aoy race shake up more smallmouth, maybe some large mouth champlain we'll see we'll see What's going on up there? They've had some rain. Might be a little high. Might be some flipping going on up there. Champlain can get rowdy with a flipping bite. Speaking of St. Lawrence River, I want to say this real fast before we get to our guests. Congrats to my old buddy, B.A., Brent Anderson, 
won that Toyota series up there on the St. Lawrence river. He's, he's been living up there the last couple summers guiding. If you're looking for a guide trip, he's probably booked up all the time up there, but Brent Kentucky Lake King, he's won 10 events with FLW slash MLFLW 10 events. This is the 10th one BFL champ multiple times over all American qualifier. He's a badass. BA stands for badass. Brent Anderson won the Toyota series up there, man. And uh, congrats to Brent. Good dude. Good, good freaking fisherman. If you've ever been in the boat with him on a guide trip, you understand that. And and a lot of people listening may have uh, been out with Brent on the Tennessee River or many of the other bodies of water he guides on. All right. We're going to get the sauce with this guy presented by the W Sauce, America's Worcestershire sauce. And uh, their new breakfast sauce. Check it out. This guy is somebody that I've looked up to for a long time. I fished tournaments against him many, many years ago. On the Tennessee River, he was an absolute stone-cold assassin killer. You never knew, uh, you know, what you were going to get with him. I mean, somewhere between 25 and 30 pounds most of the time, especially on Gunnersville. He is the honey badger. That's what he has become uh, known nationally as. But this guy, $2.3 million in career earnings. Forrest Wood freaking cup champ, Bassmaster Elite champ, multiple times. Bassmaster Open Champ. We're going to get him on the phone right now. Randall freaking Tharp. Ladies and gentlemen. Hello? The honey badger has entered the chat. I love it. (laughs) How are you, dude? I'm good, Luke. How are you? I'm good, buddy. I I really appreciate you coming on. I, uh, I just did in my intro there. Before I called, I said this guy's been kicking my my teeth in for many years. I can remember being a being young man and showing up to BFLs on Gunnersville, and they're like, "Hey man, there's that Tharp guy. Damn, there's that Tharp guy. That Tharp guy's gonna take our money." And he did all the time, <laughs> all the man, time. I, oh, there's a team tournament. Who's here? Oh shit, it's Randall Tharp. <laughs> Every time, buddy, you 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 were the king, man, the king. Man, the good old days. I, I sure do miss those times, man. And I look back on it all now, and I don't know that in my entire career I had more fun than I had back then. Like, it was just a good bunch of guys uh, and, and great competition, and things were a lot simpler then because, you know, I, I don't think I was trying to make a living doing it then. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was uh, – those were the good times. I actually uh, – had dinner the other day with my old team partner, Marshall. Deacon, That's and I, asked him, no. I said, I said, Hey Marshall, when I retired, will you take me back? And he said he would. So, uh, That's awesome. Well, I was fixing to ask him cause that was the combo. It was, it was Tharp and Deacons, Tharp and Deacons, man. And, and Marshall, you know, obviously a, a good dude, a saint of a guy. And, uh, even though he runs around with that Alex Davis character every now and then, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't blame him. Uh, <laughs> I won't blame him for that. I'll blame Alex for that. Alex is a clinger. We all know that. <laughs> He's trying yeah, to get those Deacons dots. I don't hold that against him. <laughs> yeah, I don't hold that against him. But yeah, that was the pair. What what time frame was that? Was that late nineties, early two thousands? I guess that was early two thousands. I'm thinking like oh one, oh two, probably from maybe two thousand and three to all the way up to maybe seven. Okay, Me and him had a, a really good run there. Okay. For several years, and and I mean, he's still, still pretty pretty dominant. Still, still, I see his name. He'll get a win or two every oh, year, yeah. you know, whether it's a BFL or 
you know, a CBA, any of those little tournament trails around there, he's always a factor still. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. There's no doubt. Yeah, he won the uh, the All American, I guess, on on uh, Pickwick, wasn't it? Didn't Deacons win down there? I think he won the All American uh, on. Didn't I, he win on Pickwick? I think he did a couple years ago. I think so. I think he's done really well there. I, I know he's doing good at Seminole the few times he's been down here, close to where I live now. But uh, and he's just a great fisherman. And honestly, man, like I can credit a lot of my success to him man like i didn't have a clue how to catch a fish unless i would had a flipping stick and was on the bank and you know he he just opened my eyes to that whole especially the tennessee river ledge game and and we we excelled at a lot of those tournaments thanks to him that's that's very cool to hear man he's a he's a tennessee river legend and anybody listening to this that's ever fished a bfl in gunnersville like myself you just prayed he didn't show up if you wanted a chance a lot, to, especially in like February, Marshall would just kick your teeth in in February. It'd be 13 degrees out there and he'd 29 pounds. Oh, okay. Thanks for coming, Marshall. Appreciate that. Yeah. To let you know how long ago it was, I remember when GPS first came out <laughs> and I had one on my boat and we would pull up on a spot and I would be like, man, we're right on it. And he'd be like, no, we're not. And he would never look down. He, I mean, he still did things the old school way. Wow. And I still think his way's more accurate than, than what we have as far as GPS now. Like, that's how good he was out there, especially, you know, on anything from Chick all the way down to Wheeler. I mean, he had lineups all over those lakes, and they were just etched in his brain, and I'm sure they still are today. That That's so crazy to think because now we do have, and you see people on, on social media and knocking technology because it's, oh, man, it just makes it easier. And I can think about Pickwick, Wilson, Wheeler with my dad, Gunnersville some, and he's like, hey, boy, line up with that house trailer on the bank and that second pine tree, right? You know what I mean? Like, and and that was him. I mean, that was that was my childhood. We were off the bank in the summer, and you didn't have any of that. You had a paper map, and you were trying to line up where you caught them last time or how the point ran out there or where you got bit. And uh, it's really crazy to think that I don't ever approach anything like that anymore. It's like, oh, here's my dot where I caught them last time, and you give it no thought. And you just pull up and start casting, and and man, those guys were better, I think, than than what we are now. You know, I, do do more fish get caught with electronics? You can see them absolutely, but there, man, there was something about those guys that could just go out there with with feel and with the lineups and just kick your freaking teeth in. It was amazing. Oh yeah, you're right, and I can I can name them all. Yeah, I know. Yeah, of those guys. Of course, <laughs> of course you can. Yeah, and and on a lake like Gunnersville, I think it can't be taken lightly how hard that was because it is so. Even though you're shallow a lot of times on Gunnersville, technically, you know, you're right off the river ledge, but it's shallow. But it's shallow offshore. I think that's what throws people for a loop on that body of water in particular. Is it is it's so offshore, and man. You, if you're off by an inch, you can be off by a mile on on where the fish are, and and those guys doing that by memory is just so crazy to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, 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 man, I appreciate you having well, me on. Absolutely, uh, dude. Absolutely. I, you, you know, you're a guy that I, I said in the intro. You've you've never been afraid to speak your mind. You are indeed the honey badger. You ain't scared of nothing. You're gonna go at it. You're gonna do it Randall's way uh you know go big or go home in your entire career and it's worked out dude since 2008 2.3 million dollars in earnings a big forestwood cup trophy 
Bassmaster Elite, Bassmaster Opens. Now you're the ultimate match fishing champ. That's cool to add to the add to the shelf. Yeah, that that uh that was actually just aired yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's I haven't been able to talk about it, but I've done Joe's show one time before, and uh, I came close. I think if I'm not mistaken, Wheeler won it that year. But uh, but man, there's a lot of strategy. It's well run. Uh, it. I mean, I would. I, I'm actually excited. I get to do it again now that I'm the defending champion. Okay. So. Uh, so man, it, it was it was good, man. I, I fished against some great fishermen, Cole Floyd. Uh, I fished against Gary Klein, second match, and then one of my good friends, Brandon Coulter, in in the finals. And actually, I roomed with Cole prior to his match, and me and Coulter stayed together. So, okay. so it was a lot. You know, it's friendly not very fire. Long. You go out to <laughs> yeah, you go out to dinner and with a guy you're competing against. You know, the next day on on national television, but uh. Man, it, uh, to be honest with you, like, like it was just really lucky. Like, I actually fished uh, the day before. I had a day off, and Brandon had to fish the day before. So, Brandon went and caught all his fish, and I was able to go find new ones. And uh, that's just the way the draw worked out. Yeah. So, I, you know, I wouldn't say it was 100% like fair. But, uh, <laughs> but you'll take it. <laughs> But I will take it. <laughs> yeah, you'll damn sure take it. Come on, man. Those those don't come easily. Uh, they even let James Watson win one of those things last year, which is one of the funniest. I still have the clip, the uncensored clip, that I would love to share of him losing his mind, losing bass with Paul Elias in the back of the boat. It's one of my favorite things that's ever happened in bass fishing. And he sent it to me. The unfiltered version is fantastic and probably needs to be posted at some point but i'll let james do that but uh no i've loved that deal since i mean hell that one's early 2000s as well when joe came out with that deal and man those things used to get freaking wild i mean i can remember some of the clips that guys running over each other's line and getting i mean and altercations and stuff back in the day but uh the two things he's got going for him that i love the most fish fishburn will always be the goat in my opinion love me some fish fishburn and mark randolph's just uh i love the fact that he doesn't care to argue with everybody <laughs> yeah i agree man like he's got a great crew and i think he's learned over the years with some of those altercations and crazy things that happen like he generally just invites a good group of guys now yeah, you know guys sure. that everybody's gonna get along everybody's gonna have a good time win or lose like you know, a lot of that's out of your control, especially when you only get an hour and a half per period. But, uh, I mean, dude, it's, it, Joe just, I think he's learned and you don't do something for 20 years without getting better at that's it. Right. So, uh, that's right. Yeah. In the early days, man, whoo, there'd be some, I can't imagine if there'd been social media when ultimate match fishing first was popping off <laughs> and the stuff that would come out of those, because man, it was, uh, there were some lively ones back in the day on Gunnersville and whoo. I remember some of those, man. Um, interesting, but but such a good show, and so congrats on that, dude. It just just add it, like I said, add it to the hardware down there in, in PSJ, where you oh, now I reside. <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't been able to get it out, but I'll probably wear it to dinner tonight. But, yeah. <laughs> okay, so nobody listened to this other than maybe two or three folks that hopefully have gone down there uh, and maybe not told anybody. Where are you going to dinner? Where, where's the Port St. Joe? Are you going to Joe Mama's? Where are you going with Dude, the belt? Joe, <laughs> Joe, Joe Mama's is, is good. I haven't been there in a while. I mean, it's finally, you know, it's so crowded down here. We yes. don't go out much. But, but 
you know, for me and all my friends, the, our go-to day in and day out is Peppers down there. Like, it's the only place in tourist season that you can go in and get a table and okay. service is pretty good. So, uh, it's nothing fancy, you know, just a little Mexican place. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. That's our, that's, that's our go-to pretty much. Well, I would wear it there, and then you got to wear it to the Piggly Wiggly for sure. You got to <laughs> walk around the pig wearing the UMF belt. I need a picture of that at some point. <laughs> Tell your lovely I'll bride, probably, take a picture and send it. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I'll probably wear it to the golf course too, because I, I I can't. My golf game's going south, so it makes me feel better about it. Just to have my belt on. Um, yeah, just to be the champ. Just to be the That's champ. Right. Yeah. Well, I was I was ticked off this summer down there because it was so crowded, and uh, it was just more crowded than I'd ever seen it. Now I will say. We're never down there during the 4th of July when we were this year, and so we, we got what we asked for, I guess. But uh, we like shipwreck over there, and here I am saying on a podcast with a bunch of people over there in Mexico Beach. And uh, it was like a two-hour and 45-minute wait when we pulled up, right when they opened uh, the day we tried to go. And I'm like, you know what? I love this place, but no, I'm good on that. I'm good on all that. <laughs> so we went back. <laughs> we went. We drove our butts back to uh, to Port St. Joe and went to Joe Mama's and got right in. So, um it's crazy though, man, how, how that area, but, but dude, you guys have been down there, what, uh, five, six years now? Or is it long? No, it's actually going on 11 years. Golly, now, so that that's we, crazy. Yeah, we love it, man. I don't, I don't anticipate ever leaving this area. You know, we've had a couple houses on the, on the beach and that now we live in town. It's kind of, we got a bigger piece of property with some room and, uh, we, you know, we like it, man. Like I just, I love fishing down here. I love the the lifestyle. Uh, it's still, as far as everywhere I've ever been in the world fishing, in my opinion, this is still relatively untapped. Yes, so, uh, fantastic. And, and, and you're tarpon fishing. You go offshore fishing with some buddies. You redfish. I mean, but you've gotten into this fly fishing for tarpon deal. Seems to be your new obsession. Dude, it's, yeah, it, it, it's causing a few problems around the house, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's not a, you know, it's, it's, it's taken me three years now to get to what I would consider halfway decent where I know what I'm doing at it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a lot, a lot of fun, man. I mean, just to watch a fish that's as big as you are, Mm -hmm. you know, eat eat something that you made in your garage out of some chicken feathers. And then, (laughs) you know, it's, it's a, it's a it's a bad addiction. Thank goodness it's kind of like deer hunting. Like if it was year round, I, I probably would not be married <laughs> still. But it's it's you know we get we get you know two or three months where it's really really good here, and the whole season maybe about five months long. So uh, you know it's it's not too bad. But I prepare for it the same way a guy gets ready to go hunt a big deer. So yeah. it's the same kind of thing. A lot of prep goes into that. Like you said, you it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, they swim by a lot down there, but it's a once in a lifetime opportunity on a fly to catch that, you know, that world class fish. And and uh you're you're right about that area being just man, it's it is certainly untapped, so many different opportunities. But what led you guys there though? I mean, was it a vacation that you went there? You ended up there? Did you know folks there uh in that area? But I, I don't think you and I have ever talked well, I know we've talked that area several times, but I, I can't remember ever hearing the story of how you guys kind of landed there. Yeah. Sarah and I used to come down to the coast, you know, every year just for a vacation. We never came to this particular location until, okay. uh, 
you know, I started my bass fishing career and I got to be good friends with uh, Rob Newell, who's like yeah. our on the water reporter now oh, yeah. at MLF. But he used to work for FLW and that's where I met him. He covered the first national event I won was at Ufala and he covered it. And yep. we kind of got to be friends at that point. And I think he, he invited me down here. He had a little like a little block a long-term rental house right on the beach down there, Mexico beach and invited me to come down here. Sarah and I came down and me and him went into the bay fishing. And I mean, the rest is just history, man. I fell in love with it. Like at that time it was relatively unknown. I mean, there was never anybody at the boat ramp. The fishing was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And, you know, it just opened a can of worms that I never could close. <laughs> I love that, man. If I, I always say, if I lived as close to pick, like to the ocean as I do to Pickwick, I would, I wouldn't know what a bass looked like. Like I, I love salt water, it, just because I think the options are endless. You know what I mean? No matter the conditions, no, there's always something you can go do. I feel like for the most part, a different species you can chase, and man, those. When you get into that triple tail, you know, tarpon, reds, spec, big speckled trout, but then, and, and we don't have them obviously on the, on the Gulf coast as much, but snook like that whole thing. If you've never had the chance to do that and you're listening to this, go do it somewhere. Like you, you know, a lot of people kind of shy away from saltwater, whether it's saltwater content or, or uh, saltwater in general, cause it's not approachable for a lot of people. Right. You know what I mean? I think they can't, they can't identify with it, but gosh, it's so amazing. If you can, if you can get access to it, get you a guide trip, go do it. It's so fun. Yeah. That's what I'd recommend. I mean, most people get overwhelmed with just the sheer size of it. And yes. uh, you know, there, there are, there are some good guides around here. Uh, I fish with a lot of them and, and I mean, I mean, they can, that's just the best way to go. I, I mean, you know, maintenance and upkeep on saltwater <sighs> stuff way more than it is on a bass boat. So let 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 him do all the work. That's what you're paying for. Listen, I brought my I brought my express down to uh, Apalachicola two summers ago, and my wife and I. And <laughs> the first day, I hit a crab trap, and when I hit it, it pulled my drain plug out. <laughs> And I almost sunk in the bay. <laughs> I swear to God. And, and we've been out 10 minutes and I nailed a crab trap running across this flat. And I'd been in there before with a buddy of mine. I knew where I was going. I thought I did. And this crab trap pot was not marked to be fair, but auto build kicks on. Marissa's like, what's that? I'm like, um, not good. I think I don't, I don't know what's going on. And we had ran across the bay into this little, little backwater. And uh, anyways, I, I jumped back there. Yeah. Water's almost over my batteries. And I look, and the crab pot is is wedged between my nose cone and the transom, and the express just got you know an old school drain plug, and uh, no remote drain or anything, and uh, and it's gone, it's completely gone. I reach down there, it's gone. I'm like, hey, honey, you, we we got to get out of here. We're in like you know a foot of water, you know, or less <laughs> in the mud, trying to get up. I'm like, you, I got her all but laying on the trolling mud. I mean, it was a disaster. And she goes, hey, I think you're fishing by yourself. The rest of the weekend, I'm not getting back in this death trap. Um, so crazy. And, and that is, uh, but, but the things that rusted though, just from being there like three days and washing it, flushing everything, you know, really taking care of your stuff. It's amazing. I, I can't imagine being in that environment day in and day out. It's, it's rough on your gear, but I guess for you though, being a bass guy, you know, the crap that holds up though, 
now. You you put it to the test down there. Yeah, there's no doubt, man. And you learn. I've had several saltwater boats now, and you kind of learn how to take care of one, what you have to do. I mean, it's it's a it's a lot lot more maintenance than what as a bass fisherman your your normal guy deals with. So, uh, oh no doubt, my my buddy. It's just part of it, though. It is my buddy Darian, uh, stupid Darian Craig with y'all sweet tea. Told me one time, he said, "Man, I like going." We had a friend in Panama City he would go with. Sometimes he goes. I just, I just get over having to clean the boat every time we get back. <laughs> He's like, this is bullcrap. He's like, we've been out all day long in the hot sun. Then we got to clean this boat for two hours. This is. He's like, every day? This sucks. <laughs> He's like, bass fishing, we just back it in the garage and go on. I'm like, yeah, it is true. It does. It The work begins. It's like when you shoot a deer, the work begins <laughs> once you pull the trigger kind of deal. Um, That's right. Well, dude, something you said that uh, that that sticks out to me is when you're talking about the old days at Gunnersville, and I think about, I actually talked about this in the intro a little bit, just how things have changed so much, but that things were simpler then. And they were simpler then, and I think bass fishing potentially was at its, professional bass fishing was at its peak with payouts and things. You know what I mean? Like in, in those days, we were living some crazy times. I mean, you when you won the cup, a half mil um, then, and, and we saw as much as a million in the cup in that time frame. We saw some two hundred fifty thousand dollar payouts and some FLWs during that time frame, and ten thousand dollar checks down to hundredth place. You know, just crazy things to think about when you look at where we are now, right? Same, you know, hundred thousand across the board at pro levels, three hundred grand for the biggest tournaments in the game. Now, don't get me wrong, a lot of money if you win it, but it's smaller than what it was payout wise back then right like it, it's it's crazy oh, to there's think no about. doubt there's no doubt the first horse wood cup i fished paid a million dollars crazy man I, you know I, I remember i finished second in 11 it paid 600 then when i won it paid 500 a couple of years after me it paid 300 so uh you know I, I don't know i think tournament fishing uh in general is growing i think there's what you know obviously sure. we didn't have high school and college yeah. fishing there's way more people fishing tournaments now than there's ever been i agree and, and i think that's a good thing but uh you know making a living fishing which i did it in the beginning of my career just through my tournament winnings and mm-hmm. i wasn't the only one you know christy i think was a year before me For there was sure. a lot of really good anglers that i don't think we had any kind of major sponsor sport i know i didn't and uh you know, I can remember going to Beaver Lake the first time, scared to death. I'd never seen any water like that. <laughs> it was one of those opens. It was like a $2,500 entry fee. I remember I finished 14th. I won like $36,000 for finishing yeah! 14th. And I remember coming home and telling my wife, I was like, man, I think we can make this work. You know, 36000 like that's for a tw- pretty good for a, for a week <laughs> yeah and a $2,500 investment I mean it's crazy yeah. to think about man so yeah and I don't think a lot of the, the the younger guys now the new the younger generation even realizes that those times existed and I don't think that was the peak of it but it was the t- you know that's when I got in it and it was like still really really good yes. back then yes. and uh I wished I would have you know started younger in my life to 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 see that, to see, see that era of bat, you know, professional bass fishing, but uh, it's definitely changed. And uh, you know, now I, I don't where I used to pay my bills with tournament winnings. I mean, now I, I pay them because I've worked 
you know, for 15, 16 years now building these relationships with companies in the industry. And I work for some great people and uh, I've been doing it a long time. And, and I, you know, the, the guys coming into the sport, I mean, I, it, it, it takes a long time if I can give them any advice to build those relationships. And it, it just stuff like that doesn't happen overnight. No, not, not at all, man. And I, I, I know exactly what you mean by I've seen your career and, and, you know, I keep up and, and, and I'm a fan of, of all you guys. I've been lucky enough to know a lot of you for a long time, compete against you and, and, uh, and work with you through different companies and things, but you're a guy that you have been very loyal to a lot of companies and you can see that and you've had signature series products with different folks and, and man, it's, it's for me and maybe for a fan that just, just keeps up with it, whether it's casually or, or maybe even, you know, intensely keeps up with the sport. They might, they might miss details sometimes. And, and what I mean by that is for me, I think it's a, it's a testament to an angler, to a person when they get signature series products. And you're a guy that, that you've had several of those and you, you've got your arc, you know, your rods, you've got baits out there with your name and face, man. Hell, they run the honey badger at, you know what I mean? Like they <laughs> believe, no, they're, they're, they're Randall Tharp fans. And that's a testament to who you are as a person on and off the water. And, and I think that might not get recognized enough by, by people. They, they may say, oh, well, of course he's pushing this because it's got his name on it. Well, you need to think about the company believes in this guy. They, they want him to be their face of their brand and dude that's a that's got to make you proud I, I know you're you're a humble guy but like that's got to make you proud when you sit back and go hey did you see that commercial they just ran the damn honey badger yeah that's 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 me right here <laughs> i mean you gotta that's gotta be cool man and an honor man it it, it is and it's a responsibility though that i don't yes. take lightly. like like putting my name on something i mean when you called, I mean, I've got stuff strewn all over the garage and, you know, new stuff I'm working on. I mean, it's, I, I, I used to invest a hundred percent of my time to everything that went on to the, on the water, you know, getting ready for a tournament, pre-fishing for, you know, two, two months before the cutoff or whatever. And now I just don't have that time to, to invest in that because, you know, this other stuff to me is my priority now. Uh, you know, like I, I've been working on this jig for like a year and a half now. And it really, I mean, it's a flipping jig. I mean, how much can you do to make a sparky head better than a sparky head? You can't, but you know, <laughs> we built a hook to put in it and it's, you know, I think it's pretty special kind of thing, but that was a project that, you know, a year and a half that I just completed and we just redid my rod line. It's been our best selling rod line for four and a half years that we've been selling them and you know, to change something that's still selling really good's a risk, but yes. I, we knew we could make it better. So we did. And, and, you know, I'm actually, believe it or not, I'm not, you can't even buy these yet. And we're already working on the next, next best thing, you know, testing really? new stuff and, and working, working with new stuff. And, uh, that, that's, that's my life now, man, Bu building rods, reels, baits, uh, you know, trying to build a better mousetrap and, you know, using what I've learned through tournament fishing all these years to, to do that. Man, that's, uh, it's, I think that's every angler's dream though, right? If you get in the pro fishing game, you hope somebody like, like I just said, thinks enough of you, your abilities, your, your ideas with tackle, the fact you like to tinker and go, Hey, we want to pay you on a pro level and we want to work with you. You tell us what we need to build. Dude, that is the dream. 
that is the dream. And I, I got to do it on a small <laughs> scale with, with Baitworks this year with a little, my little uh, finesse jig thing. And when they called about that, they're like, Hey, we'd like to do something. And even on that scale, it's, it's so fun. And it's like, it is an honor. It's like, what you want me to do that? Okay, cool. And I can just, I've got the play, I can just do what I want. I can run the plays. I want Yeah, absolutely. We'll do it. You just, you draw it up. You, you make it how you want to make it. Okay. Awesome. Like that is, uh, that is so cool. But, but when you're at a, you know, such a, a top level angler, like you have been, especially dude, if Randall Tharp, if I'm sitting around with a group of guys and, and there are five of us there and four of them are like this jig, this jig, this jig. I'm just still going to wait on what to, for, for you to say <laughs> what you're using, you know? I'm like, uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Randall, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the jig? What rod do I need? What line do I need? Because you're, you're just that guy. Like, I'm going to – you're the go-to. I'm going to ask you, oh, hey, what rod do you like for punching, uh, Mr. Matt? you know, assassin, like, I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to ask somebody else. So, uh, you know, those companies are smart to hook up with you for sure on things like that. Um, uh, and, and it's, and it's, it's cool to see, man. I, and I know that arc, they really, with the rods and reels, they've, they've really gone out on a limb. I feel like just tons of, and they throw the lures in there, dude, they're doing everything now. Like it's a one-stop shop. It's becoming that anyways, seems to be. Yeah. And it's happened pretty pretty quick man and I, i've invested a lot of time and effort in it but 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 my boss the guy that owns a company he's just unbelievably smart and he works seven days a week 24 hours a day and I, I just don't think there's gonna you know many people that i've met in this industry willing to sacrifice what he has to build that brand you know as big as it is as quickly as it is and, and you know we have a great team too i, I mean you know Cobb and Logan are kind of core members. You know, we've got Bradley Roy and a couple other guys that I think really highly of. So, uh, you know, and, and we have, you know, an awesome team at the shop, at the warehouse and stuff that, you know, handles customer service, any problems anybody may have. And, you know, it's, it, it's pretty awesome. Like that's, that's not the only startup company that I, you know, Bass Boat Technologies, my yeah. buddy's fan. Like, yeah, man. Like, I, I ran the first mount he ever built. Like, and, you know, that guy's got 25 full-time employees now. Who would have ever dreamed? Dude, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Who would have, I mean, who, I mean, I, I talk to him about every day, and who would have believed when we started that business that fishing would be what, it, you know, guys would have six graphs on their boats and stuff. Back then, we were just running two. And if you had 10 inch screens, like you were somebody, you know, like, yeah, it was the Rolls Royce. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was just, I mean, a lot of that is just, you got to think it's just luck. Nobody could have envisioned what happened in the electronics industry. Nobody could have predicted that, you know, 10, 10, 15 years ago. No, but I, but I think for, for a company like them too, that word luck, it's, it's the old saying of preparation, meeting opportunity. They build a good product. They've been in the game, and then when the the opportunity popped up, they were they were there. They were one of the biggest names in it. it it's funny, and I, I'll tip tip my hat to them for sure. It's working for you know th as long as I have. They've tried, you know, they've dabbled and they've got some electronic mounts, but they they've dabbled in in things over the years. But a company like that uh, that was small, right in in the you know th's couple hundred million dollars like it's a it's a big outfit now especially and publicly traded and whatnot but it's funny when those those electronics mounts companies like bass boat and 
precision sonar, so many of them popped up. It was like, oh, well, those those guys, those those garage operations, you know, you would hear you would hear that kind of talk. And it's like to think of them as these they are these entities in in the in the bass boat world, man. They have absolutely earned every bit of it. And it's it's awesome to see. Cause you I think a lot can be said for how fluid you have to be too, right? That's an ever-changing world, whether it's like you said, when you had two tens, you were a rock star. Well, as the graphs sizes have changed, you know, the demand for the strength of the mounts has changed. The configurations have changed. Now you got guys running three up front, three at the back. So so you have to stay on your toes. And those guys have been very good at that uh over the years. And yeah, they they've been with you a long time. And I see they they sponsor some uh some MLF events, right? I think I see that. Yeah, yeah, they, they they have in the past, but uh, I mean, one thing Van does, I mean, and 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 Louis too at Arc, I mean, he just he's always trying to stay one step ahead. I mean, you've For been sure. around this business and you know how it works. And I mean, one one, I mean, he works with Garmin, he works with Lawrence, yep. he works with Humminbird. If they come out with a new, you know, they build so all of those companies build really good products, but they don't really know how to make them work on a fast boat, and Van does. So mm-hmm. I mean, he's working with them before you ever see a new graph or a new new unit or a new troll of motor, you know, he's working with all those people to, to figure out how to make it work. And you know, it's one way he stays on top of the game. And, you know, if you go buy a brand new hull, no matter what kind of boat it is, you know, next year, and there's some new electronics or a new troll of motor, he's already figured out yeah. <laughs> how to make it work on there. Problem so, solving. Uh, yeah. Problem solving. So right. you don't have to think about it. it makes your day on the water easier. It's amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm proud, dude. I'm proud of what he's built there, and just the team. You know, with with not not just those two companies. I mean, I'm I'm spoiled. I think now after doing this as long as I have, man, every single company I work for, TH, Phoenix Boats, Yamaha Outboards. Like I've watched it, you know, them go through it all, and uh, yes, you know, I'm proud to be associated with all of them. I, I mean. It, you know, I, I, everybody's going to say they they got the best, but I, I truly believe I do. Well, I, I think you're a guy that you're a lot like myself and that if you work with somebody, you believe in it. You know what I mean? It's not just fluff. It's because you're damn sure a guy that if you don't think it's working or if it doesn't, you know, you're not afraid to stand up and say, hey, I'm out. Or, hey, this is, this is you know, call a spade a spade. Great at calling balls and strikes. You always have been. You're that guy. And I think – the coolest thing for me, and I shared it, and I commented on it there on, on your social media, but watching the GOAT, Kevin Van Dam, his final regular season event ever, a lot of emotion going on, and he goes on this couple-minute speech about Randall Tharp and the, and the <laughs> class act you are, dude, and that he doesn't live in the gray area, and he doesn't cheat, and he's this and that. Given the year that's happened, you know, a lot of crazy – uh, in y'all's world on the Bass Pro Tour, but to hear that in his final tournament, man, and I'm not trying to blow your head up here, Randall Tharp, but but dude, that's that's got to be one that, yeah, you, this year was an uncharacteristic year for you. You were below the red crest cut. You you've you've made four of those, and you know I you're you're back in heavy hitters, um, which I feel like you're always going to be there because you're you're a big bass guy, but. Uh, but to hear Kevin throw all the trophies away, the most respected guy, the poster child of this entire industry for a very long time, sit there and just say, 
this guy right here, this guy, we end up in the same areas. He's the real deal. He is uh, a fantastic human. Dude, that had to just be awesome. Yeah, I, I had no idea that he was going to say what he said or how it was going to play out that way, man. But, I, you know, there's only a – I can count on one hand the guys that I measure myself against day in and day out. And since I met him in – I met him at the Classic in 2011. He was boat one. He had one angler of the year at the Classic. I pulled in New Orleans. I was boat three. The first person I see when I got into that boatyard, and you remember those classics back then. <laughs> yes. They were electric, man. Yes. Like I mean, you, I mean, there was security guards and there was mm-hmm. a crowd before the thing even started to get in that parking lot. Mm-hmm. And then I remember pulling in there and backing in, and I, my Sarah, my wife and I are like, "Oh my God, there's KVD!" Yep. And like he came over and introduced himself, and, and Kevin didn't admit it. Like I, I've asked him about this, but. <laughs> I, when I saw the determination and look in his eyes, this is before practice started. It was like the, the second I met him, I knew he was going to win. And he, <laughs> he said he didn't know he was going to win. But I can tell you that look of determination is something I'll never forget. It's something that, you know, it's kind of fishing, fishing against that guy and around him as much as I have, especially the last couple of years of, uh, Dude, he's just set set such a high bar. It's made me a better fisherman. He's made me a better person. Um, and, and I'll be honest, man, like it's going to be hard going next year and not seeing him there, not having him there to measure myself against. And I can tell you, man, I, it doesn't matter if I finish 50th. If, he, if he's 51st, I feel good about it. I feel <laughs> better about myself. Yeah. It, and, uh, no doubt. But, 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 you know, to fast forward between mine and his relationship, uh, when I, when I left FLW and went to Bass, the very first event that my, my very first elite series event was on Seminole and it was dark, you know, it was just cracking daylight. I make about a 30 minute run down the lake. I pull into this pocket and I ran all the way to the back of this pocket, start fishing. Well, the very first boat I saw was Kevin Van Dam, and he started in the same pocket, and he started out for me, and he worked in. I started in and worked out, but, you know, watch it, watching a guy dissect water, uh, it's been fun over the years, and th- kind of it's never changed between me and him. Like, I don't know if I should feel good about myself that I'm practicing and fishing around him so much or bad <laughs> because he always beats me. But Well, he is a vacuum, dude. Like, he – I mean, you got to – like like that, yeah. It's fishing behind a hoop. That's fishing behind a Hoover, man. You can't uh, you can't expect to come out on top of that many times. I feel like <laughs> over the years, just because it, it it's like golfing with Tiger. I think. Yeah, and and just I mean that's happened throughout my whole career with him, and then you know that tournament last week, you know his, it being his last, and we were in separate groups, so we both made the knockout round. And they let us trailer. So it was, you know, we're, here I am. I got a camera. He's got a camera. We're trailering down to, to where I was going to put in. And I'm running pretty pretty quick. I'm probably about 80 pulling my boat. And I came up on Kevin Van Dam on the highway. That's going the same way. And I told my camera guy, my boat official, I said, let me tell you something. I said, I know where the winning school of fish is. And he does too. I know he found them too. That Like there's, there's 70 nine guys at, on this in this tournament 
but there's only one besides me that would find that school of fish. And I called him and I said, I know where you're going. And he started laughing. He goes, there ain't no way. I said, yeah, yeah, there is. Unbelievable. (laughs) And sure, sure enough. So he was, he had won his group. So he was boat one. I was in third place. So I was the third boat going out. And so we were idling out of this long, no wait. And sure enough, he hung a right and I sat there and he went right to what I thought was the, the winning school of fish and what he thought too. So I, I went up there and, and stopped where I had fished. And I honestly, I didn't fish there. I made about three casts there in practice and, and the water turned black with them and I caught two great fish. And then, so I, I, I'm, I caught enough largemouth to make the cut. But I knew once I did that, I said, man, I need to go check these fish because this is my winning school of fish out here. I got to see if they're still there. And I literally went out there and made two more casts. I caught a, like a 314 and one that was 414. And the water turned black with them again. And you can see them on your screen. They're just Jeez. everywhere. So, so that was 1130. So I left. And that was where Kevin, he had fished it the first period each day. And, and when I pulled up on him out there, you know, before lines in, you know, and we started talking, he goes, you, you know, this is a winning school of fish. And I said, I 100% agree. It's a winning school of fish. I think there's enough here for both of us. But I'm going to tell you what, man, I, I'm going to go catch my largemouth. I, I'll come back maybe second period. I said, this is yours. And I left. And that that's when he said what he said, you know, and it wasn't easy because my largemouth didn't bite at all. <laughs> and, You're like, and I got that store tracker <laughs> updates. I mean, he went from 10 15 to 20 pounds like it seemed like in just a matter of minutes and and man i i I did i wanted him to win the tournament i felt like that was a way of me respecting him uh what he's accomplished in this sport and the fact that he did it in my eyes he's always done things the right way i've never seen him do anything shady i've never seen an asterisk by his name And, and i mean you're just talking about the most dominant tournament bass fishermen that will ever play the game and, and that was my way of honoring him man and i you know i'm happy to call him a friend man like like just fishing around him all these years like i said it will not be the same next year for me no not not at all man for for any of us no matter where the path leads him in life you know i, I know he's quote retired but that guy and you you know as well as i do he's the most competitive human being that I've ever met. I think it wouldn't matter if you're like, Hey, you want to race to the mailbox and back? Like he'd be like, okay, bet. (laughs) He's just, that's just Kevin. (laughs) Like he is so competitive. So for him, you know, and I I had a little chat with him at ICAST and about some things. And, and I know, I I think, I think he, and, and I'm not speaking for him, but I think that there's a lot of reasons that I think he's, he's stepping away. And I think that, uh, I think that for a guy like him, and it's a lot like a, a guy like you as well, that are veterans that have done it the right way for so long. You see a lot of the things going on in our sport and uh, and within your own organization, within Bass. There are just things that that pop up. We've seen so many this year, whether it was the, the Ufala 
the Joe Durham craziness, the crazy freaking lawyer, uh, hole sitting for the million dollar kid, Tucker Smith. And <laughs> like this just bizarre world we live in now. And, but it seems like nothing happens. I mean, the, the Smith kids down here on, on Pickwick right now in the college Bassmaster deal. And you know, everybody's, we're just supposed to be like, Oh yeah, that never happened. Congratulations. I just can't get on that bandwagon. I'm not that guy. I'm too big of a, uh, of a jerk, I guess, to just be like, Oh, just a mistake and mistakes happen and blah, blah, blah. And it, and there, there's a lot of that after Cayuga with you guys that I just can't get past. And like you said, an asterisk by their name, it's a lot like the, uh, the, you know, the Mark McGuire home run error, I guess they're juicing up, knocking the ball a million, <laughs> a million feet. But at the end of the day, they had an advantage over a lot of players. And I think that with that Cayuga event, that's been so, you know, I'm, everybody's talked about it, but there were guys playing a different game in that event. You know, I saw Russ Lane posting, well, hell, I, you know, I didn't know that there were some folks playing by a different set of rules. And we saw that there. And I know for a veteran guy like yourself, once you once the dust settles and you're like, man, I'm playing a different game than these guys, and that's not okay, right? And I think you voiced that. You made a video up at Saginaw, and I, and, and I commented and, and meant every word of it. You're like, hey, I caught 19 pounds up here, and I didn't catch one of them the same fish twice. <laughs> it was funny, but it was like also sad that you have to make that comment. I think, right in life, like I've, I wish that that wasn't even in the conversation. I wish we never had anything like that to talk about. I man, I do too. Like, like you know, it's not a perfect world though. It does seem to get more complex every year uh, since <laughs> I've been doing this. Like, like it's always been a part of the game. To me, it's sure. definitely worse now than it's ever been. I do. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think you can point some fingers at the leagues. Yes. I think you can point some fingers at at anglers and just you know not caring about things like respect or integrity or ethics or anything like that. Um, you know, I think all of that is factors that that go into that. Um, but yeah, it, it, this year was a disappointment in my eyes from the way that all played out. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, man, I look at our tour and the majority, the the large majority are all guys just like me. I feel like that that try, you know, everything in their power to, to do things the right way. Yes. Um, it's just a few. It's just the, it's it's the few that do do things wrong the wrong way. And unfortunately, you know, we all kind of get grouped into this. Oh, it's a bunch of cheaters over there I, fishing. I and that's what I can't handle, man. Yeah, like yeah. I can't handle because because I know how hard I work to do things the right way, or somebody like Kevin does. And then you know, all of my friends out there that man, we just want a fair contest to make the best guy win at the end of the week. And you know, as a competitor, that's all you can ask for. But it it just seems like these days, if if there's something they can do to get an advantage, there are certain guys going to do it and instead of just, Hey, let's tee it up on the, the first hole and play by the rules. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I think anglers could do a better job of holding other anglers accountable. Yes. accountable. I is. think the leagues could definitely do a better job of, you know, I don't know if it needs to be publicly making, you know, holding somebody accountable. Uh, I, I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not. Um, you know, but to me, it's like our rule book gets thicker. It's it's way too complex. You know, polygraphs, all of this stuff that goes on. 
it just, I mean, you know, like we could go fish this Saturday at Gunnersville, a benefit tournament, and we sign a one-page set of rules, and there's a tournament director that's going to make you accountable to those rules. And, you know, most of the time it's a fair contest. Yeah. But it seems like the, the more money you fish for and the more complex everything gets, you know, it's not quite as fair as I think it should be. So, yeah. I, so, you know, I and I, I hope I hope that there's some changes made uh, prior to us going fishing next year. I really do. Um, I think you know you have to learn from your mistakes. Um, everybody does. I mean, we all we everybody's made mistakes. You know, some of the anglers that did, you know, whatever. If they thought it was okay to catch the same fish twice, well, you know, I hope just hope they think about it next time. Yeah, that's that's uh, you know I, I've talked about that on here a lot and and the becker thing becker went in aoy I, he definitely caught the same fish twice I, I mean he's admitted to such he says it was within the rules that the tournament director said uh that that daniel fennel said he could do it basically as long as he didn't see it and uh you know i i, I don't know I, for me that's a that's a slippery slope right and i and i think that that comes down to self-policing it's like you said i think for me and and something that i've preached on here uh, a lot is there's a lot of desperation. You know, I did a whole episode on it a month or so ago. There's a lot of desperation in the sport, it seems to be, and I don't know if that's for a constant need to be on top or have something to post on social media. This, you know, constant content world we're in, there's a lot of pressure, and if you don't do good, you feel like you can't make the post that you need to make or whatever the case may be for a lot of guys and a lot of young guys fighting to get in. They seem to be a little more desperate than than the veteran guys that are established right and that's what bothers me the most is these these dudes coming out of college and and coming up in the ranks seem to be more willing to push the envelope more than a kevin van dam or randall tharp uh so they can try to be randall tharp and kevin van dam and and when you're like me and you've been around forever and you're the old grumpy guy <laughs> that calls balls and strikes <laughs> randall tharp and kevin van dam never lived that way to become kevin van dam and randall tharp that's the problem i have with it and something that you said that that jumps out is i do think the anglers i think that that you have to hold each other accountable because it it does seem like the leagues aren't going to do it for the most part and i think that you guys i've said that uh i picked on jacob on here and, and he texts me like why are you picking on me uh about because I, and I just used him as an as an example because he's one of the biggest names in the sport i'm like you why you know if lebron james got poked in the eye running down the court i've used this a lot he he at a press conference he would say yeah so and so poked me in the eye he's a piece of garbage <laughs> you know what i mean he would talk about it and so if somebody's taking my money and they're doing it the wrong way i think that we would be better off if i mean dude you see it in nascar you see it in other sports where they call the guy out and I think that, yeah, we're a tight-knit group. It's a tiny industry. But I think the anglers almost have to have to take ownership in it, uh, not only to themselves operate like they should and by the rules and don't do anything shady and don't live in the gray area, but then if something happens, you know, hey, this guy did this and this is bull crap. You know, I, I think that, that uh, fans would certainly enjoy it, Randall. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. And, you know, addition to the leagues and the anglers, I mean, I think the industry, to some extent, I, I, I think they've actually been doing a better job lately of holding anglers accountable yes. for their actions than they did in the past. You know, they were, you know, at, there was a time I think they were just like, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't speak for 
certain certain companies or anything but but there was a time they just wanted everything to be swept under the rug and i think they see a need to i think i think no matter what company it is you know i think they're they're being a little pickier when they choose who's going to work for them and who's not And, and you know if a guy does something i would say unethical or that doesn't reflect well on them i do think they're you know from what i'm seeing lately the last three or four years the industry is holding anglers account accountable better than that it used to yeah i think so I, and i hope that gets better too across the board a lot of companies are willing to overlook things as long as johnny is selling the most tackle for them i guess <laughs> and, and 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 you know whatever uh but but i think that you know if the companies that write the checks hold the uh, leagues accountable and they hold the anglers accountable, then, you know, obviously I think we could see uh, things get a lot better. And I don't know, man, I just want, I want things to get away from the gray and, and it shouldn't take this, what we saw just in the Cayuga event alone, we shouldn't have to have all these conversations for months about it, about the what ifs and who was doing it, who wasn't, it should just been cut and dry. And you're, this is, this is done. But like you said, the league and the anglers are responsible in, that just being this blurred out mess. And then Spencer Sheffield's the only one that just gets hammered in the thing. Now, rightfully so, you, you know, on camera, whatever, but there were others and poor Spencer's just like, here, take my money back. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it, that, that was, uh, that was probably the most negative thing that that's ever happened in this sport since I've been doing it. Like it was just unfortunate. I honestly, man, I fished one tournament. I just missed the cut. I had no idea anything was happening and Cliff Crochet and I went up to one of the Great Lakes and was fishing on knockout round day and uh, his phone started ringing and he's he's like, Randall, you ain't going to believe what's going on. And I was like, what's going on now? You know, what's the next thing? And he started telling me. So I sat there during the championship round and watched that whole day and I was Mm -hmm. just really pretty, pretty shocked at what I saw. And, and, you know, just, just so people understand you know, I, I, as far as that sight fishing rule and how all that happened. So the second year we were on the Bass Pro Tour, we had an incident at Lake Fork. And so, and, and it had to do with an ang- angler snagging some fish or whatever. And so we read the rule and, and the rule was rewritten at that time. Um, so then fast forward, I think it may have been a couple of years later, we had a, another site fishing event at St. Lawrence river. Mm-hmm. And there was, it was every fish counts. Then it wasn't a limit tournament. And there was a lot of guys in the top 10 that caught the same fish more than one time in the same day. Yeah. Just over and over. So, yeah. so we rewrote the rule again because none of us thought that was ethical or the right thing to be doing, but it was within the rules. Right. And that nobody, nobody that did that in that tournament broke a rule. So we re, we rewrote the rule again. And the intent of the rule was that you could, if you were going to sight fish, you could only catch a fish one time. That fish was gone. And, Act like it's not yes. there anymore. Yes. But that's correct. And, and I, I read the rules several times a year. Uh, I read the, the rule, the way it was written in our rule book this year. And I still don't think it's okay to catch the same fish more yeah. than once in a day. So that was what I was playing by. And that's what the majority of the guys in that tournament was playing by. But it was not what, you know, a lot of guys in that top 10, that's not what they were doing from what I saw. So, uh, 
you know, man, like, like I think a lot of that could have been avoided. I, I think there were some mistakes. I think the tournament director obviously made a big one. I think most of that could have been avoided if he just said, no, if you catch the same fish twice, you're going to be DQ. Yep. Uh, so, this will, you know, I think, like I said, everybody's going to learn from their mistakes. And I, I hope that, you know, I think they've since, since changed the rule. I know they have, not that it matters, but. I was you know, going to say a now. Word, <laughs> now. A word changed. or a sentence. A word has more than one meaning. And a sentence, you could take any sentence in the rule book and you can interpret different ways. Yeah. It's just, it needs to be more black and white. It needs to just be, you know, there shouldn't be month-long investigations over something <laughs> that you can see on camera. I mean, that's just my two cents. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. that And, and look, you're like me. You call balls and strikes. You, you're There's no black and white. I mean, no gray. It's black and white. And that was what I said. Like, well, I mean, I don't know why we're investigating anything. I can just, my kids can see what's going on. I mean, it's pretty easy. This is the year of the no-look cast. <laughs> look, but, but, Mom, no, man, I'm not looking. I mean, oops, that, that five-pounder bit again. My bad. I mean, it's silly. It's silly. Yeah, you know what, dude? It's it's we don't need to be negative either. Like no. there's so many positive things. Million percent. You know, I and I, I'm past it. I'm past it. I hope all the guys are past it. I hope the league is past it. You know, and, and let's learn from it and let's continue to build something and make it better. I mean, that's you know, I, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of just done with it. Um, and, and I'm getting ready to go fish next year. So uh, I, that. I, I, you know, and that's kind of where I was going with that because you, you made a post and I just wanted to, to pick your brain about, you know, what's ahead. We shall see coming home from Saginaw. I, you know, you made a post like 20 hour drive home, lots of time to reflect and, and what's ahead. But, you know, I had, I had Burge on two weeks ago and, and we kind of talked about this to make a leap. Like, even if you disagree with things going on or whatever, and I'm not, I'm not saying you do, obviously with that event, you very much disagreed, but, but as a whole, like you are at the top level of professional bass fishing you have qualified you know whether it was to be on the tour whether it was to be on the elites and then you made the the decision to go to bpt when all that started and you've been there ever you know since the beginning and you've been through all the changes you've seen it um but to leave you know to make that decision if anybody was going to make that decision we've seen guys do that there aren't in my opinion a lot of options and and bird said that it's kind of, it's got to be terrifying. Even if you disagree with what's going on, like, what are you going to do? If you go fish the opens, we know that's a gauntlet, man. I mean, it's a gauntlet. <laughs> it's like freaking gauntlet, dude. That, that, you know, and, and look, you're a guy that's fortunate to have sponsors and you're not relying on tournament winnings as much anymore. Thank goodness. Because if you were in the opens, you can't rely on tournament winnings. It's tough, right? Like that's a tough gig. And we've seen guys do that. So to leave, something like the Bass Pro Tour or vice versa, the Elite Series, if you're there because you disagree with something, that's a hard move. And I think for fans, they're like, well, I don't know why these guys don't leave if this is going on. Because, look, I've talked to guys like you and several others that are very, 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 very frustrated with how things are handled. But at the end of the day, when it's your livelihood, I don't know how you can leave. Is that a fair – I mean, I think that's a fair statement. No, I think I think it's pretty fair. And, and, and it's it's not – all my decision. I mean, every single company I work for yes, plays a role in the, in the, you know, what's best for each one of them. Yes. Um, you know, as far as me going back to the elite series, you know, Brandon Cobb, we have Brandon Cobb on the elite series. He's the lead angler of the year right now with two That's tournaments right. to go. He's done a great job for us. We got Wes Logan over there. Like, like, 
you know, would it be beneficial for everybody on team arc to be fishing the same trail? I don't think it would be yeah, like, like we, we want to keep our product in front of as many eyes as possible. So, you know, would it make good business sense for, for my boss there to tell me to go back to bass? No, to me, I mean, it wouldn't. So, uh, you know, but for me, those conversations are happening right now. Um, you know, we just got back. Uh, I've signed a lot of contracts already for next year. Um, but I, I have a couple, you know, more important conversations that will happen. Uh, I, I honestly, for me, I don't anticipate leaving the, the BPT. Um, but I, but I am considering fishing some other things, whether it be a, a few opens, uh, whether it be the MPFO. Ooh, hey now. Anything. Hey now. I, I know a guy. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I just, you know. I, I miss those days, those Gunnersville days we were talking about yes, when it man. seemed to be a lot simpler. And, and, you know, I still love tournament bass fishing. I love everything about it. I love fishing against like a good group of guys. And, and you know, it's whether it's a Tuesday night or up here at the river or, or the MPFL or an open, you know, I, think, I just want to go have some fun. And, and, and I do. Like I try, I, I room with Lintner this year. He's a great guy. Uh, I've talked to Russ Lane about rooming with him possibly some next year and Todd Fairclaw. So, uh, you know, we like to cook. We like to catch some fish, you know, cash some checks. And, uh, you know, that's that's not going to change for me. Listen, if you get around Russ, I'm just worried he might try to put you. He's on this he's on this diet thing now, Big Daddy. He's pushing this <laughs> weight loss stuff. I just don't know what's happening with old Big, big Pop. I don't know. He looks great. Well, he's doing it. He's doing it. I like to give Russ a hard time. I roomed with Russ in the opens when I was like 19. So I, <laughs> I've been knowing that man for, for a minute. I like to give Russ a hard time. I've got to get him on here one of these days. Yeah. He's a great guy. And he actually, uh, I texted with him yesterday and I said, man, you're looking good. And he's like, I picked him as my team partner in that team series okay. that we will film. Uh, I think, I, I think we're filming our, our deal in October. So, uh, it's me and uh, Gerald Spore, who I know you know is been yeah. on the show, yeah. and Big Daddy is my team. And I didn't pick the team. I mean, there was a lot of, like, I would call them fishing legends that I had to choose from. But I picked the team that I knew I was going to have the most fun with. For so, sure. And I, there is no doubt that we may get the you know, waxed in that thing. But I got a feeling we're going to go have a good time. And if we're having a good time, we're going to have a good chance to win. Listen, my Spoyer is that guy where he and I certainly have had a roller coaster of a relationship because of this, this dumb podcast. Uh, but, but he is a guy that I'm a fan of and, and hell, I consider him a friend now. And, and we were before, and then we had words and whatever. It's going back four years ago. And, uh, and dude, whenever the, this stuff was at the height of MLF, you know, wanting to blow my house up kind of stuff back in 2019, want my head on a, on a platter, which was, it's funny to think about now, but anyways, uh, but Spoyer was like the one dude that was like, I'm going on there and I'm going to give this dude a piece of my mind. And we had a great conversation. It's still one of my favorite podcasts that I've ever done. And then I got him on, I guess with the five fish change last year. And it was right before he was uh, going overseas to get married and all that. And, Again, another one of my favorite favorite podcasts I've ever done uh, was was Spoyer. So those those two guys on a team, <laughs> y'all would be a a hell of a trio, I think, to hang out with for sure. 
Yeah, and if it if it comes to where we come to blows, like I'm just gonna stand behind those. Two. They're both pretty pretty big, solid fellows. Yeah, you know, look, I know they got my back. Listen, Russ is dang sure one that I would not tangle with. Sporty's a big old boy too, but oh, big pop! I that right hand, I don't think I'd want to be in the way of it if it came sailing around. That's for dang sure, man. And uh, can throw a fastball. Still, no telling what he can throw one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, man. Like we're we're uh, you know, we don't know where we're gonna fish or anything. Yet, I was gonna say but, no uh, clue where that's gonna be yet. So No, no. I you know, I was really skeptical about that whole thing last year and uh I was I was pleasantly surprised like after competing in that format. Like what was fascinating was just you know, like I pride my, all of us are very good at breaking down water, strange yeah. lakes, do it really quick. Like, you know, like I, I say a good fisherman, like somebody like Ayler can go to a lake and never seen it in his life. And by the end of the day, he's going to beat your brains out. And mm-hmm. that's how most, most of the guys on our tour, that's the kind of talent level that they have. They don't need waypoints. They don't need any information. Just let them do their thing. And, uh, but in that format, the team series format, if you don't figure it out in 15 minutes, you're behind yes. like, like, and just the, the back and forth between, between the teammates and, and just what you can figure out based on one bite or seeing one shad flicker. And, and I mean, you know, for a guy that's obsessed with breaking water down quickly, when you see how quick it can take with three really good anglers, you know, talking, looking at different parts of the lake, like it was I mean, dude, it was fun. And we had a, you know, my team made it to the championship match. So we got to fish a lot in that format. It, dude, I, I loved every minute of it. Yeah, I think I've only got to see a little bit. Of, I don't have an outdoor channel anymore, unfortunately. But um, and but I, I've watched some of them. I've got to see it. And it's intriguing to watch, like you're saying, the breaking down of the water. But just the the communication going back and forth, everybody can hear everybody the whole time. It's like, hey, yeah, I got one. Like, I, lo- I love that. Like, if there's other boats around, like, hey, yeah, I got one. Trying to be quiet. <laughs> what did it weigh? Oh, it was a 3-2 or whatever. What did you catch it on? Everybody's trying to put those puzzle pieces together. It's like if you practice, which I, I, I think you guys can't talk to each other uh, about what's going on. I can't remember if that rule's been changed or not. But, but it reminds me of when you room with a couple dudes that you trust, you know, like my old FLW days, and that's how practice is when you trust people, right? You're like, okay, well, yeah. hey, I just figured this out. I got this clue. So you call your bud, and you're like, hey, flipping a jig on wood, two to five feet of water, you know, back of a creek, whatever. And they're like, okay. And they call you back two hours ago, hey, we'll add this in. And, you know, it, but it reminded me of that, but just in a lot more fast-paced setting on game day. Oh uh, yeah, it, it it it's it's very similar to what you're describing. Just just faster, instant, and just the I think the good teams just communicated good information. And you know, I, I, if you if you watch it, and I haven't watched all, I've watched some of them. I don't watch too much of that that type of fishing show on TV. But the ones I have watched, the the teams that that won had the best communication. And, and so I'm looking forward to teeing it up with those two. I've got that. I got a couple more TV shows I'm going to go do. And uh, my off seasons aren't quite as off as they used to be, but that's, that's where I'm at. Well, well, dude, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time. And, and uh, after Kevin Van D- and and anybody that knows, cause I have guys that go, Hey man, you've never had me on. You've been doing this thing forever. And I'm like, 
the way my random ADHD brain works, because people are like, <laughs> do you know when you're going to have who you're going to have on? And I'm like, yeah, most of the time I decide like a day before I record. That's how professional this is. Uh, you know, if my sponsors are listening, I'm, I'm professional. Okay. Uh, but, but a lot of times I, sometimes I have an idea, but, but really it depends on, you know, honestly, what kind of mood I'm in or something will pop up on social. And I had seen again, the Van Damme speech about you popped up this week. And I was like, man, I got to get Randall on. I want to talk to him. And, uh, and so I really appreciate you, uh, coming on and, and I want to end with this just cause I thought this was hilarious when you made your post and you were like, no fish were caught twice and blah, blah, blah about your 19 pound day up there in the comments and somebody screenshot this and sent it to me. Even Matt Heron commented and said, you still cut me off, but you're a good guy. <laughs> I loved it. Dude, I love, I, I love old grumpy. I love old Matt. I talked about pretty regular uh, too. That made me laugh so hard. I know you do. And, uh, I love me some Matt Heron. He's another guy I got to get on here. We'd have a good time, but, uh, <laughs> but I love that. I saw somebody sent it to me and I'm like, that's, that is what this is all about for me right there just reliving old stories and because you and him used to compete against each other in Alabama you know uh the old Bama contingency there but so so fun to see that kind of stuff man we fished against each other a bunch had a lot of history prior to us being professional anglers and 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 I mean me and we hashed it out on the water like it's unfortunate but that I'm me and him are both known for that more than our accomplishments on the water but (laughs) I think it I don't think either one of us would change it now like like if you pull up bass fishing fights it's still gonna be the best one even hey even bigger than KVD and Ike and Ellie yeah yeah it's even yeah it takes the top spot in the rankings that dude I need to do a show on that I need to do the a show on the top five bass fishing fights and have everybody on here that'd be hilarious actually i'm glad you said that um uh, yeah that that one was was pretty epic because you both just aired it out like men and then it was it was over with that was it that was that uh it, it was so so funny man there have been some good ones i remember drew benton and scott martin that one was that one was pretty funny too from back in the yeah, FLW days. You talked about how competitive he is, how, how competitive Kevin is. We're all that way. And that's why that happened. That's I right. mean, I, hey, I got into it with Big Daddy this year at Gunnersville. <laughs> and we weren't even fishing. We, were, we weren't even fishing. So, so, so I know that's another story for another time. Yes. But, uh, I got to hear that one of these days. That's a good teaser. Yeah. That's a good yeah, teaser. So you, you can get Big Daddy to tell it, or, or if you want to have me back on, I'll be happy to tell you okay. some more KVD and, and fight stories. I, lo- I love it, buddy. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Put you on the spot here on LBL. The next one of these we do together will be at PSJ. I'm coming down. I'll bring the gear, and we'll do one from the boat. <laughs> we can make that happen. That sounds like a good time, my friend. I appreciate you, Randall. Thanks for everything. And uh, if you're not following Randall Tharp on all social media, which I'm sure you are, He's got a lot of followers, but make sure you're following along, dude. He's one of the most honest, hardworking guys out there doing it the right way. Randall Thorpe, I appreciate you. Thank you, Luke. Thanks, buddy. Randall Thorpe, everybody, right there, the honey badger. Honey badger. Uh, Good dude. Good dude. Thankful for him and uh, the conversation there, man. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, It's like catching up with with an old friend. He He has been around the world and back. Dude, to think. And I know I said late 90s, early 2000s, we're talking about his Gunnersville days, but, you know, in that 2003, 2005 time frame, that's 20 freaking years ago. I'm so old, man. 
so old. Conversations like that make me feel old because I used to just be the kind of like the punk kid around all those guys, and now I'm just this 40 year old fat guy with a podcast. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but I appreciate his honesty and I appreciate him coming on, taking the time to do it here uh, for all the low lifers. And I think all y'all, every one of y'all for tuning in week in, week out, low budget live. Be sure to support the people that support the show, all the sponsors. I appreciate y'all. I'm going to take you out with some, I think we're going to listen to 64 again, 64 tonight. And I will see y'all next week. See ya.